This Advent season, our sermon series is titled, A Clear Picture of Peace. In last week's sermon, Dale observed that the biblical ideal of peace is more than just the absence of war. With the coming of Jesus as God's anointed one, we see that peace is a state of being, of inner strength and wholeness. Peace is communal and shared, and peace for me must include peace for my neighbor and my enemy. Though sometimes peace feels more like a distant ideal rather than a potential reality, our observance of Advent and the Christmas season celebrates the presence of peace entering our lives and our world and reminds us that we worship a God of peace. Yes, God is the source and giver of peace as portrayed in the Bible. At Christmas, we remember the especially familiar verse, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Our God, who enters the world as the Prince of Peace, ushers in a new possibility of peace to a broken and alienated world. It reminds us that God's peace is not just the absence of conflict. God's peace is multidimensional and comprehensive. The word for peace in the Hebrew scriptures, shalom, is translated as peace, prosperity, success, well-being, safety, welfare, health, deliverance, salvation, and completeness. As Christians, we place our faith in the God of peace and are in turn called by God to proclaim the gospel of peace. Our selection of scripture readings for today remind us that peace is God's gift to us, and as we accept God's gift, we are to share the blessing of this gift of peace with others. As we prepare to hear the scriptures read, we pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 7, from the New International Version. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Our second scripture reading comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Our third scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. Jesus said, When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Our fourth scripture reading comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, 
chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. May we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church through the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. The scriptures tell us that peace is God's gift to us in Christ. And as Christians, it is our call and responsibility to live at peace with one another. Of course, this is easier said than done. In thinking about this, I remembered a Peanuts cartoon, which I'll share with you. In it, Charlie Brown's little sister, Sally, says, I hate everything. I hate the whole world. And Charlie Brown responds, I thought you had inner peace. Sally retorts, I do, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. Have you ever felt like Sally, exasperated and hating everything in the whole world? I know I have, especially now when nerves are rubbed raw with, well, everything and the whole world. As author Rick Love says in his book on Christian peacemaking called Peace Catalysts, conflict is a painful fact of life. Many of us have not experienced the trauma of war or the violence of racism, but we all have been wounded by words. Unresolved conflict poisons relationships and multiplies alienation. Everywhere you turn, people hold grudges, harbor hurt feelings, and experience broken relationships. It's one thing to know and believe confidently inside yourself that God gives you peace, and even to feel peace with yourself. It's a whole other challenge to have that peace show up on the outside when God's peace is not yet visible or fully evident in the world. So what are we as Christians called to do when we feel like Sally or worse? When we proclaim the gospel of peace, our actions and beliefs must align. Otherwise, our words are empty. As Paul says in his letter to the Romans, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, our outer peace with our inner peace with God must become outer action to spread the gospel of peace in the world. Living in peace or being at peace is a commitment to obey Christ's commands regarding relationships. Peacemaking is not avoiding conflict, sweeping important issues or feelings under the rug so that conflict doesn't manifest itself and instead festers under the surface. That would be peace faking, but working instead towards the presence of harmony. That's peace making, working towards the presence of harmony. When we commit to living at peace with others, we are committing to putting our love in action. We take seriously that we represent the God of peace in a world of hostility. Two ways of think, to think of peacemaking are resolving conflict and restoring harmony. This places the priority on building up relationships, just as we are commanded to do in Scripture. When we seek to live at peace in our relationships, we practice repentance, forgiveness, and restitution, or attempting to make things right when possible. 
When we are seeking peace, we aim to restore and maintain trustworthy, positive relationships. Spreading the gospel of peace means a commitment to living in right relationship with the other people in our lives. Additionally, peace is communal. As Dale said last week, peace is shared, and a peace for me must include peace for my neighbor and my enemy. Biblical peace, or shalom, is a vision of universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Shalom encompasses, then, social justice, because it is impossible to live in a state of peace, safety, and well-being for a person experiencing injustice or oppression. And even if you are not personally experiencing injustice or oppression, but your neighbor is, then true peace is still absent from your life. As Christians committed to spreading the gospel of peace, we can participate in efforts that seek to foster justice and transform oppressive structures in order that all people may flourish. As we spread the gospel of peace, let us notice that in Paul's message, there's an important note. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. This means each individual person makes their own sincere effort to live at peace with others. Ideally, if each person makes the effort to work through conflict and restore harmony, then the whole world would be at peace. But we know it doesn't always work out this way, and sometimes we have to let go of an intended outcome for our peaceful efforts because the other person or group is not committed to living at peace with us, and we are unable to reconcile our differences. Surprisingly, a commitment to the gospel of peace doesn't require two parties to agree. One person or group can commit themselves to peace unilaterally, pursuing peace through loving acts, even without the guarantee of reconciliation. For example, in marriage, where spouses are alienated, one spouse might commit to behaving in a loving way and performing acts of kindness, even if the second spouse does not. Though acts of kindness will not necessarily bring about reconciliation in or restoration of the marriage, the first spouse has remained true to the commitment to live at peace as far as it depends on herself or himself. I also think it is important to note that a commitment to peace is not an acceptance of abuse, harsh words, injustice, or violence against oneself or others. There is no peace in those circumstances, and sometimes the way to proclaim peace is to speak up for yourself or to speak up on behalf of others. To leave a relationship or situation where abuse or unkindness in the extreme is happening or to work for justice in the world. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In Romans 12:17, Paul says, return no one evil for evil. These are guidelines that we can follow even when peace is one-sided. As Jesus says in Luke 10, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, 
it will return to you. When we are committed to proclaiming the gospel of peace, we always return to God and recenter our hearts on God because God, and not the other person or group, is our source of peace. And when we proclaim peace, the peace of God will return to us. None of us are perfect people, and we will spread the message in our own imperfect ways. Like Sally in the Peanuts cartoon, sometimes our outer obnoxiousness just might get the best of us. We may feel like we hate everything and the whole world. We know that Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. When our hearts are troubled, Advent is a great time to recenter our hearts on God's peace. We can do this through prayer, devotional time, and scripture reading. These practices can naturally be built into the weeks of Advent by following a daily Advent devotional, or lighting the weekly candles on the Advent wreath, or committing to set aside time to pray on a regular basis. The Apostle Paul prayed for peace in every one of his letters, and praying for peace in our personal and communal lives is a practical action that each one of us can undertake every day. We can pray for God's peace to rule in our hearts, for God's peace, God to prepare the hearts of those with whom we have a conflict, and for God's kingdom of peace to overcome darkness and division. When we pray, we say no to the anxieties and fears that plague us. We say yes to God by praying about the things that burden us, and we thank God for the blessings in our lives. When we are at peace with God and ourselves, then we are better equipped to live in peace with other people. At Advent, we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Prince of Peace, who entered the world to usher in a new time of God's peace. With Christ's first coming, we have present, partial fulfillment of God's kingdom of peace, and we look forward to a complete, perfect fulfillment of that peace with Christ's second coming. In the in-between time in which we live, we are called to be messengers of the good news of Christ's reign of peace. As the prophet Isaiah said, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of a messenger who proclaims peace, who brings good news, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God rules. How beautiful is the gospel of peace when proclaimed to a world sorely in need of good news. May the peace of Christ rule in your hearts this Advent season and always. Thanks be to God. Amen.